Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. All right, hello and welcome to another edition of Soccer to the Max, and we are all here once again uh, together to get this thing rolling. It, it Transfer deadline day has finished. Except for a few transfers that have probably happened in the morning that might have been happening like at the door. Uh, that's pretty much it. So we'll talk about some of those big ones later on in the show. First, we got some of our headlines, see how our teams are doing, everything else. But how are you guys doing? How are you, Rachel? I'm good. I'm good. It just like started pouring an hour ago and then it stopped. So I think we're picking up some of the remnants of uh, Hurricane Ida over here. Yeah, certainly. I feel so bad for all the folks in, in the Louisiana, New Orleans area that are without power right now and dealing with all these floods and everything. Hopefully everything can be restored as quickly as possible for all those folks who just had to go through that horrific uh, hurricane and hitting them again after all those years after Katrina and everything. Just a terrible moment. And once again, folks that don't want to believe in climate change, it's all there for you happening right now. Uh, Eric, how are you feeling? Oh, it's been a bit of a crazy week, feeling good. I've uh, got my manifestations for going here, mm-hmm. you know. You got a makeover? Oh. Look at look at that camera. Look how how look how good you look there, see? Oh, 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 trust me. You think this is something. Now that I've got the camera, wait until the epic hair can fully be on me. <laughs> that's, that's a moment to wait for here. And, of course, uh, this is your first time joining us. Or you've joined us before. We are uh, Soccer to the Max. I'm host Sean Garmer here. Eric Watkins, Rachel Krieger. You can also check out Rachel on the Last Word on Soccer podcast. Who Last Word, Last Word Soccer Club, sorry. Last Word on Soccer is our partners here in crime that uh, help us and and letting the show be posted over there. I'm part of Last Word on Sports Family. And, of course, we're also on WTNet. We, we got to go off of what happened on the previous show, Eric. Basically, we did a show about the, the Champions League draw. We did some other things. But the whole deal was, oh, this is Ronaldo going to Manchester City. Manchester City is going to have Ronaldo. What are we going to do as Manchester United fans having to watch him in the blue colors? And then all of a sudden, the, the morning after, as I'm posting the show, what news comes about? <laughs> but for about $15 million less, they somehow get Ronaldo into Manchester United colors once again. Crazy times. Uh, of course, it helps that you have all this plethora of United uh, legends that can go and text Ronaldo till one o'clock in the morning to tell him, hey, <laughs> don't do this crazy move that you're about to do. Not a great look for you and not a great look for your legacy. Maybe this was all a ploy. Is is that what this was, Eric? Like, I'm starting to believe that this is all a ploy to get Manchester United involved. Look, whether it was a ploy or not, I am absolutely OK with it. If it was a ploy, very well done. Very well executed. Simple as that. If it wasn't a ploy, well then, hey, you swoop in, you spoke Ronaldo's language at the 11th hour, and lo and behold, the, I guess, would he be the number seven? I don't think they've made that reveal yet. Either way, he's back. Uh, he will not wear number seven because Edison Cavani's already been registered as number seven for the season. So I was wondering cannot, about that. So I was He like, cannot have that number. <laughs> Honestly, I never thought he was going to really work out with the way Manchester City do their thing. Uh, and and rotate the ball around as a team. It was always kind of weird for me to see him go there. 
I do have to wonder, uh, Rachel, I don't know how much you pay attention to the team, but it is going to create a lot of conundrums now for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as far as, like, who are you playing where as far as, like, in the midfield and then who's starting up front? Mason Greenwood's, like, got three goals in three games. I mean, what do you do with Ole? Try to contain it. It's like the OL rain problem. You have so many of these superstars, and then you have your, like, OGs that have been there from the start and you got to figure out, okay, who am I playing where? And like, how do I, you know, get people time? I mean, I'm sure guys at PSG were slighted when Messi signed there too. Um, it's just a balancing act. Eric, that's, <clears throat> that's how it is. I, I mean, with something like this, with Guardiola, how he was going to manage where at times he loves to do the 4-4-2, that would have been one thing. Knowing him basically having Ronaldo as a target man, what do you have? But with us here, always settled on a 4-3, still going to have issues as far as like that number eight defensive midfielder that's causing a lot of problems. But they're already making moves as far as with loan signings and some more sales to fit Ronaldo more up front. I trust him to try to get this to mesh together nicely. Yeah, certainly this is going to be interesting how he's got two weeks to figure it out because we've got the big international break going on. And... You know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but they stood firm on those not going to certain countries for these international teams. These international games for a lot of these clubs are going to be very interesting when we we get to that. So, Rachel, what is your headline for this? My headline actually just happened earlier today, and it's kind of cool. Um, So Gotham has had this ginormous conundrum of coaching and GM and all kinds of crap. The first domino fell when Elise LeHue just kind of like disappeared. Then she was fired from the team very suspiciously. Nobody knows anything about why she was fired. And then you have Freya Coom taking a job with Angel City FC as their head coach. And they're like, okay, you know, Freya's going to stay with the team for um, the rest of the 2021 season. And then like three days later, they're like, nah, she done after this next game. Then now Yale Averbush, who is the interim general manager, says, okay, I just took this job like three weeks ago. Now I got to find a coach and try to figure out how the heck to keep the spirits up in this team. Perfect hire, literally a fantastic hire in picking Scott Parkinson as the new Gotham FC head coach, but it gets better than that because former Seattle Reign, OL Reign, Reign FC, whatever the heck you want to call them, striker Bev Gobolyanez is an assistant coach for them now, which is very cool to see an NWSL player come back um, and serve in a coaching role. Um, But Scott Parkinson is the head coach. Um, it's awesome. It's a really good hire. He was an assistant with Utah Royals. And then when their team kind of DLH'd and everything, um, he got picked up by Rory Dames and the Chicago Red Stars. And now he gets a head coaching job. And I have to say the NWSL fan base, I have been, you know, very critical of Stan culture and this whole cancel culture and all that crap. They're very adamant, like only women should be coaching in the NWSL. And I get it to an extent, but at the same time, if you have a qualified male coach, he needs to take a serious look. NWSL stands kind of scared uh, Angel City away from hiring a guy, Sean Nahas. And so the fact that Yale Averbush was like, I don't really care what fans 
think um, it's not a woman, like, guess what? We're hiring a man. I actually haven't seen too many pushbacks of, oh my God, he's a white man. Like, who cares? The guy is a excellent coach. He is well-regarded in the league and he has been successful. It's a great hire. I'm very excited about it. And um, it actually kind of makes me like Gotham again. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that about him being a, a white man that is coaching. Uh, he is actually part of the end of efforts to, you know, heighten awareness around, or, you know, racial inequality and uh, gender inequality. And he actually like commented about this as well, that, you know, he mm -hmm. knows what it's like being a white man coming into the country and giving everything because he has an accent and can play soccer. And it kind of breaks his heart that he can see, he can't see that happen for others that don't have that uh, privilege. So he is well aware, understands, you know, you're going to talk about having a male as a coach. He's been an assistant for various NWSLT and to come in and, and now be the head, the head person. I think that's great. And let's see if he can turn Gotham around, who still have a chance at the playoffs, even they haven't won in the last six games. So that's uh, going to be really fun to see if he can, you know, get them in and see what they do once they get there, uh, for sure. My uh, secondary yeah. headline is that I know my mom is watching. So hi, mom. Hi, dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that before, and I miss them, and I see them in nine days. So hi, mama. Oh, that's cool. That's cool that you're going to get to see them. I love you, soon. mom. <laughs> okay, Eric, it's all yours. Uh, per perfect setup. No pressure. <laughs> so, for all the craziness that we've talked about with this transfer window, all the last-minute deals, swooping in teams coming, one very popular headline that gained traction now all of a sudden didn't. For all the talk of Kylian Mbappe, Real Madrid coming in, setting a price, PSG wanting a higher price, trying to meet in the middle, Everything almost looked like it was done and dusted. Then out of nowhere, after a 180 million euro offer, talks break down. So this puts PSG in a little bit of a between a rock and a hard place. Does Mbappe still potentially leave in the summer on a free when his contract expires? Or does something miraculous happen with either him getting an extension or some deal down the road come the winter? Thoughts on what you want to see happen with Mbappe? I think he's going to stay at PSG. I think he's going to feel slighted. Um, I, I think a winter move is impossible. It isn't like the most crazy idea for him. I don't really know where I could see him going. I don't know if I could see him at Madrid. I honestly think now with, and Sean, I know you said we'll allude to this later, but like Griezmann just left Barcelona too. So I think, you know, it could be like a swap, Messi and Mbappe. Cause I mean, Barcelona is going to need some, stars on their team yeah they definitely do need stars but what they also need to do is uh, get rid of some of the wages <laughs> get rid of some of the extra load which they did with uh, getting rid of emerson sending him to tottenham they tried to get rid of uh, Koyaso, and they couldn't do that at the last hour uh we'll we'll talk about more about that in a little bit as far as like getting through some of these uh, bigger ones that happened on the last day but i think mbappe for me He's got all the time in the world now to enjoy being around with Messi and Neymar. In January, you can declare what you want to do, right? You want to go and sign with Real Madrid, your boyhood club, the club you've always wanted to play for since you were a wee lad, and be that poster boy, that face of the entire league. Because right now, even though Atletico just got even more star power on their squad, which you could actually really point to them and say, if you want to talk about stars, if you want to talk about big players, 
they may have just as many as Real Madrid right now. And and they are the champions, and they just got stronger. And now, you know, you're talking about that group of death that we talked about in the last show, Eric. That just got even more uh, vicious when you sit there and add Griezmann. If he can work together with all those players, that's going to be a really dynamic team. But you still don't have that face of the league like Messi was. You don't have uh, the run, the power of Ronaldo when they were both there. I mean, so you have this void right now that I'm sure ESPN, who just paid a ton of money to have La Liga for eight years, would love to have had. And I think that's part of the reason why Real Madrid went and bumped up their bid again. But it was really evident. PSG wants to see if they can get this to work, see if you can win the Champions League before you tear it all down or whatever it is you're going to do, or just to, to see if they can get him to re-sign, like you said. I, I don't think he will, though. We've seen this before. Oh, this looks all great, and then he still leaves. And I don't think anybody can get upset for leaving. PSG know the situation they're in. They knew if they didn't take this money, he's going to leave on a free, and I think that's what they're going to be stuck with at the end when we get to the end of the summer. I mean, honestly, absolutely. He's made it clear to them. He's let them know, hey, I'm going to do what I can here. I'm not going to sabotage anything. But I want out. He came to me. I'm just done. So now it's up to PSG still, like we talked about last time. Hey, how do we get him to leave on our terms? Stay tuned for that one over the coming months. Yeah, that's definitely going to be one that we'll be certainly watching, especially when it comes around January time. So let's get into what we watched. I really didn't watch a anything like from start to finish. I watched a little bit of this and that from various uh, leagues. One of the ones I did watch most of is Chelsea-Liverpool, which was the big game on Saturday. And, of course, it had to be marred by VAR. I I thought it was the right call, though. It's a little bit of a judgment call. How do you guys feel about that? He didn't go back and watch the full replay. He watched a freeze frame. How do you guys feel about VAR using a freeze frame? Because we're looking at the interest of time instead of making sure we – Completely get it right. I mean, this is something that completely changes the game. I don't like that. I mean, the, the the purpose of VAR is clear and obvious. I don't think you get that from just exactly a freeze frame. Maybe like a three, four second clip, but like freeze frame, just a still, a picture, basically. I don't know about that. No, with something like that, if you're going to have the ref look at a freeze frame, then you can just go over and decide all of that in the control group. It's or you could have the... VAR official literally just tell you. Yeah. It's just it's like, hey, we looked at it. We saw this in the ref's ear. Yeah, this is what happened. This is the call. That's that. Why go over for a picture? Yeah. Three, four, five seconds if you need to look at that and study that closely. Okay. Take an extra minute or two to get it right. But no. The thing was, it was such a, it's a controversial thing because it was coming up his leg, right? Hit his thigh and then it goes up to his arm. The referee is obviously making the call that he moved his arm in a direction that makes the ball go off the line and not go in the goal. And I can understand that. It's not egregious like the Luis Suarez and and Ghana thing. It is what it is. I mean, he's keeping the ball from going in. Maybe we need to look at the rules in the future about whether that's a red card or not. But especially with something where it's not completely clear and obvious. But man, that really changed the game. But credit to Chelsea for hanging in there. And not letting Liverpool score on them for the rest of the entire half, which that's a testament to them. 
Rachel, what is a, a game that you checked out you really want to talk about? Yeah, so last night I got to take over Equalizer's Twitter and do Liga, uh, watch a Liga Emeki's Femenil game, um, watch Tigris and Toluca Tigris shockingly after winning the Apertura back in 2020 and winning the Klausora in 2021. They are in first place once again. Um, they are just so freaking dominant. The fact that a team can literally sub in Stephanie Mayer wow. is a cheat code. Like, that's a ridiculous. Just a general shout out for Liga Emekis Femenil. It's such a great league. TUDN usually plays uh, one or two, sometimes three matches uh, during the weekend. So, and there's um, <coughs> cough, cough, streams that are at a hundred percent legal on, on YouTube, but you know, it's gotta, gotta watch your soccer somehow. But anyway, um, I was watching uh, Tigres and Toluca last night and Toluca's kind of been on like a, a, a downward spiral and I'm watching it for the first like 65 minutes. I was like, Oh my God, like they're going to do it. They're going to hold them scoreless. They're going to get a point out of this game. And then the penalty happened. Just stupid handball in the box uh, on Toluca. Caddy Martinez takes the penalty, saw like coolest a cucumber. And then that's not even where it got interesting. In I think the 85th minute, then the 89th minute, then the 92nd minute in stoppage time, guess what team gave up three goals? Toluca. I was like, oh, Toluca, baby, you were doing so well. And then they just. And guess what? Stephanie Mayer scored one of those goals. But, and I'm so mad we can't show highlights. I'm so mad. And I will most certainly link the tweet and, and send it to you, Eric, to put it in the article for W2M. And I'm putting it in for last word. But the fourth goal was ridiculous. Like, I don't remember who the player was. I know her name is like Fernanda, but she goes by Maria. She was running toward goal. She kind of pulled back a little bit, jumps in the air, like at a slanted angle and just hits her head like this. And she scored. And it was like, the yeah, Eric, I know. It was like the most amazing thing. What's that award for the FIFA awards? It's like the Puskas, Puskas. Yeah, Puskas, that's it. The Puskas award. It needs a look at that because, oh my gosh, this goal was ridiculous. I need to DM it to you guys right now because it was just... Awesome. Jeez, I, I'm almost getting whiplash thinking about that. <laughs> right? But Liga MX Femenil is awesome. And as a uh, Tijuana fan, I was very happy to read a one win over Atletico San Luis. So uh, if you want to watch more ESPN, uh, on ESPN, they have one Liga MX Femenil game as well every week. So there's another one you can uh, watch, which I think not the same one uh, that you're talking about. So definitely. Uh, if you want to watch some more uh, Liga Femenil, Eric, what is your game that we need to be thinking about? I, I happen to also watch a little bit of Liga MX going through. And even though their team's more bottom of the standing, really trying to just get points on the board, a couple wins here in the Apertura, Puebla and Querétaro. And I mean, I understand if you're battling, especially with all the fines and stuff, that you're going to start to throw your weight around. I understand you're getting into now the middle of this season where you're getting frustrated. You're probably going to go ahead in for one of those extra 
couple cheap shots. I don't recommend it, but I get it. But when I say that this game got gritty, I mean, not the typical kind of, oh, flopping or rolling around. I mean, going hard on 50-50 balls. There were multiple instances in the second half to where you had long two, three-minute stoppages to check players on the pitch. I mean, for teams like that, and for Puebla getting a very hard-earned 1-0 win, it was a little extra brutal. My main highlight is, like, a late in the second half, it was about 82nd minute. Puebla was going up for a 50-50 ball, like I mentioned, and the head clash, bam! It was just, like, from top of the head here to right here, and I was, like, seeing it live. It was like, okay, looked a little bit awful, but seeing the replay of it and seeing the Pueblo player just down on the ground, slightly dazed, but okay, I'm like, whoo, I can see why they're taking the headers and things like that out of the game. Yeah, oof, that doesn't sound... (laughs) It it, it wasn't pretty, was not pretty. Well, definitely, uh, that's why you gotta watch League of Mechies, right? You get it crazy. (laughs) Chaos! (laughs) Shout out to Matt Pollard, king of chaos. Uh, being an American fan, I watch Liga Mekis, but you don't really get, um, just watching one team, you don't really get sometimes the like full breadth of why that league is so important and why it's such a big deal here in the U.S. Like It's bigger than all the other leagues, you know, so uh, at least here. And like getting to watch more of some of the teams is kind of cool now to be able to like understand uh, where they're coming from, why it's such a, a beloved thing. And, of course, now when you watch these, like, Leaves Cup games, it's actually good to know some of these players. A lot of times you're just watching it from, like, the MLS side of things. Oh, I know who that is. Or watching the All-Star game, which, after watching that All-Star game, oh, my God. This is, like you said, Eric, this is to happen every year. What I'm telling you. All-Star game that was. Like, <laughs> that was so much fun. Like, Congrats to Mexico <laughs> on winning one thing this summer. No, they lost. They no, know they, the, uh, the, the skills, skills. cat. Yeah, some cheap tactics there. Yeah, as it was well. cool. I love Andre Blake going over there though and giving him a red card. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes across the referee. He's like yellow card, red card. Like <laughs> yes, you didn't have fun like that uh, so often. So before we get into talk about transfer deadline day madness, here, Rachel, you wrote a excellent piece for the Equalizer about some new tournaments that are happening on the women's. Uh, national team soccer CONCACAF. Uh, talk to us about that. Yes, and the article charts. Charts are always good. I will say CONCACAF actually made this like pretty simple to follow. Um, it got a little confusing around the Gold Cup part, but that's like probably the most exciting. There's going to be a Women's Gold Cup for the first time in 2024. And wow. high fives all around. That's so exciting. Basically, there is... a a new setup for qualifying for the World Cup and for um, the Olympics. Of course, with the World Cup, the poll has been expanded to 32 teams. And so now CONCACAF will have four teams, excuse me, that qualify for the World Cup. They used to only have three. And then they would have one team, um, an extra team, like depending on a playoff like a play-in now they have four teams that'll qualify and then there's an option for two teams to get a play-in spot so CONCACAF could have six teams at the women's world cup but before you know that happens there's kind of a qualifying to the qualifying 
So that's basically, you know, they had an official draw. There are 30 senior national teams, which is amazing for women's soccer in CONCACAF. Like nations that you would never think of, like Guyana and Dominica and like Bermuda and stuff like that. They have representation and they are now in this you know, qualifying sphere, which is awesome. So not in this draw, though, is the United States and Canada. And that's because they are, um, according to the FIFA rankings, the two highest ranked CONCACAF teams. So those teams get an automatic qualification to World Cup qualify. That doesn't mean, okay, US and Canada are automatically in the World Cup. So the qualifying for the qualifying is called the... It was the CONCACAFW qualifiers. They have these matches. There, there's like home and away fixtures between, um, between these thirty teams, and then the top teams. So there's six groups, six groups of five teams. The top teams in each of those groups are going to World Cup qualifying with the United States and Canada. So then you have eight teams in World Cup qualifying. Out of those eight teams, you get. And audit, you get four teams that will qualify for the World Cup. And then those two play-in spots. The Olympic part is where it gets really, really cool. In the old qualifying, it was you have this tournament. And whenever you have your four semifinalist teams, so say those four semifinalist teams, you have the United States playing Costa Rica and Canada playing Jamaica. So say the U.S. and Canada wins their semifinal match, they automatically go to the Olympics. That's being tweaked a little. Now, if U.S. and Canada make the final, then there would be a match between Costa Rica and Jamaica. Let's say Costa Rica wins that. So the third place team, Costa Rica, then plays Canada in a playoff game, and whoever wins that goes to the Olympics with the first place team. So it used to just be one and two are in. Now it gives the third place team a chance. It's almost like a buyback in racing. You have a chance to now play for that spot. So it's like another playing game, basically. Basically, Mm -hmm. but it's within the confederation. Right. Um, So the World Cup playing games won't, but the one for the Olympics is like a playing game. It's really cool. I like the idea of giving that third place team another chance. But yeah, so those are the kind of changes for qualifying. Everything is pretty much detailed out in that article um, that Sean had mentioned that I wrote for Equalized Soccer. CONCACAF actually made it pretty simple Um, They have a video to go with it to help explain, but I think they said in their press release they are adding like over 150 games for senior women's national. And that's at the end of the day, that's pretty darn cool. With and and it's cool to have games that matter, yeah, exactly. Like, there are teams that I mean, I love the draw for the um for the qualifying for the qualifying, like, we could see some teams in World Cup qualifying that we've never seen before. And that's what's really exciting. So the qualification for the World Cup is going to be held in uh, November 2021 and um, April 2022. So those are going to be stuff to look out for. But it's, it's just awesome to see that there are more uh, women's national teams that are going to be participating. <laughs> so we have live comments yeah, since we're live here on video. 
that's one of the perks of getting to watch some video, right? You get to see live comments. You know, if you're listening on audio, you're missing out on this. So we have a uh, someone on the, on the that's watching on the Facebook page, Jonathan uh, Nielsen, is saying qualifying for qualifying. This makes you want to send some hate mails with a certain address. <laughs> First of all, you should be on the road right now. Second of all, wrong show. We only mentioned that on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> It is definitely cute, confusing to have qualifying for qualifying, but it yeah. is cool for those kind of unknown teams. Like I said, like Nicaragua and stuff, like they they get meaningful games now. Yeah, and that's, that's the biggest part of it. Like there's, it's only going to improve the quality of CONCACAF, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, even the U.S. women get games that matter because a lot of times, yeah. yes, we get to see them play these friendlies against some of the big teams. And, and in these friendly tournaments that don't mean anything, it's nice to see them have to compete in a tournament that means something for the reason that they're in. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that with this format, especially for the World Cup and Olympics side of it, I don't even necessarily think of it as like, okay, qualifying for qualifying. Because usually in a World Cup cycle, most confederations have multiple rounds. So now this gives CONCACAF multiple rounds for women's qualifying, and you never know, especially with the first round being only a single round robin, that home and away. Yeah, you can go well, do those performance for those four games, boom, you sneak in and you give yourself a shot at another few going on and going forward. And I think that's fantastic. Not to mention, even from the looks of the graph of it, and mentioning the W Gold Cup side of that, in the sort of, I want to say, quasi-nation kind of format for that, like they use really for the men's tournament. These are definitely a lot of matches that you want, a lot of exposure, and unlike the new CONCACAF Champions League format, which we'll get to as the time draws near, this is something I feel that they did right. The home and away matches, too. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I-, I hope that for the tournaments, my biggest pet peeve, and I think you guys know this by now, is... You know, the United States is obviously, I don't know if I, I'd call them the best team anymore. I think Canada's kind of taken that with the gold medal. But anyway, they are, they're going to qualify for major tournaments. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty well known. But the fact that all of these recent tournaments for Olympic and World Cup qualifying have been in the United States, they do have an advantage. I mean, I'm not saying that the U.S. is going to go to, you know, Costa Rica and get their butt kicked by the Ticas because they're in Costa Rica. I think it's I think it would be a much more tough game for the U.S. because they don't they honestly the U.S. Women's National does not know how to deal with opposing crowds. And they don't technically really get that in a World Cup environment, in an Olympic environment, because they have their fans there. And a lot of the times their fans really show out for those tournaments. and. It's so much different. If they went to like the Azteca in the middle of November for World Cup qualifying, I don't think there'd be a lot of U.S. fans there. So they don't know how to play in an away environment. So basically what I'm getting at is I hope CONCACAF, you know, doesn't just stick with, okay, all these tournaments have to be in the U.S., No, Canada has stadiums. They hosted a freaking World Cup, guys. Mexico has stadiums. Costa Rica has stadiums. Jamaica has stadiums. Put these tournaments in those countries and give them a little bit of an advantage, too, of having the home crowd. I mean, especially Canada. They just want a freaking gold medal. I think it'll take time for the tournaments. We haven't even seen them do it with the men yet for the Gold Cup. They they always Mm -hmm. do it on on U.S. soil. And, you know, that's been something that many of the nations have wanted to change 
over the years, especially Mexico and Canada. They've wanted to be able to have uh, games in Canada and Mexico uh, and not just be like, oh, there's one game in Mexico and there's one game in Canada and there's one game right. here. Like, it's yeah. most of the tournament is in that country. Yeah, and I love how the men do it for qualifying. I would love to see the women have a setup where they play a home and an away game. I don't like the fact that qualification. I think CONCACAF is on the right path mm -hmm. in getting it right with these new tournament structures. But give the U.S. a little bit of a fight here. Come on. I mean, like, yeah. the home and away thing, it's fair for both teams. And right. it's just, I think it's the right way to do qualifying. I mean, they do it in Europe. Why not do it? Here. And it's a revenue stream for those smaller countries as well to have the U.S. Exactly. go over there and play yeah. Nicaragua, Salvador, you know, Guatemala, all that. Like to go over there and play those games against you're you're looking at some of the top players in the entire women's game. That's a, another revenue stream that used to be it's only exclusively for the men. Like that's something right. that's helpful. And then people get used to that and then go, OK, well, we can go support the women on these qualifying uh, trips as well and not just be like, Oh well, they somehow qualified. We have no idea. Nobody ever saw that game happen at all. This will happen, and hopefully, like Paramount Plus or somebody picks it up, and you can actually watch a lot of these games as well. Absolutely, because the main thing of why Concacaf loves to have tournaments in the United States. Oh, we just don't just have the stadia. We have the biggest ones. I mean, you go to Canada, the pretty shiny ones. <laughs> exactly. You go to Canada. You have a lot of Canadian football stadiums that can sit 40, 50, 60,000. I mean, in Vancouver, BC Place, that's like the Canadian version of AT&T Stadium. You have those places. You have others just, or not just the Azteca in Mexico. You have other wonderful stadiums that can host these games and see the kind of fame you want. Plus, for all of this talk, as you both have mentioned, let the U.S. women's fans, if they are really this hardcore, you can go ahead and travel just as much as the fans for the men's contingent. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. You want to see that, right? You want to see these traveling fans that will go yeah. and support. And you still have your uh, American Outlaws or whatever. You know, if, if there's a uh, women's soccer team equivalent, go and travel for those games in these countries and see if you really show up. Uh, but this is a really cool thing. I've been hoping that the women would have this for a while. And, and now you do more towards getting this on an equal footing with the same thing. A lot of the things the men have, uh, we're still a long ways away, but now the women have as well. Um, that's that's super positive. Speaking of something uh, super positive for everyone, at least if you're a member of a squad that, that got some new players out of this or had some players, I guess, sold uh, for later, we already touched on, I guess, the biggest one out of this window just because for Barcelona, he has been doing absolutely nothing since Messi left. Uh, he has been a shadow of himself. Memphis Depay has come in and taken in all of the accolades, and he's been the one really driving that team. Antoine Griezmann goes back to Atletico Madrid. That's probably one of the biggest ones on transfer deadline day. Any other ones that you know stick out for you? Eric, that you wanted uh, to mention. I mean, to me, that was just uh, like really the surprise. I saw that and was like, all right, with Memphis and even the performances early on with Braithwaite at Barcelona, I thought, all right, they can still have something together. But Griezmann's like, you know what? I've won titles. I've got things with Atleti. Let me just go back and find a way to just keep myself going. So I was like, you wanted to leave, not even to a much bigger club? 
So now you're kind of going back with your tail between your legs, and now you're going to try to have this stellar performance as a way of sort of forgiveness or saying, oops, this really doesn't work. I'm curious to see how he fits in and exactly how stacked they really are and how they can manage. Yeah, they do get Luke DeJong back on the other side from Sevilla, so they at least get a player back on that end. And Saul did go to Chelsea. So that's another strengthening of that Chelsea side that just got Lukaku in the transfer window. Uh, Chelsea just keeps getting better and better every time we see them. That's going to be insane uh, to try to compete with them on on that level. Uh, we did say Ronaldo coming back to Man United is a thing that you didn't expect. Uh, Daniel James goes the other way. Uh, he goes off on a move to a lead. So there had to be somebody moving from the United side to make oh, yeah. Ronaldo on the front end. And at least you get to keep most of the big players on that front. Uh, sad to see Daniel James go, but, you know, so somebody had to move in on that end. And somehow PSG keeps signing players. Nuno Mendes, I think, is going to be a nice, just like adding depth to that squad um, to play in the, you know, the cup games or when you need to rest players for Champions League, signing him. Uh, from sporting is uh, I think it's going to be a nice move and one on the personal note having a Venezuelan player Salomon Rondon going to Everton that's pretty <laughs> awesome he he plays pretty well for when I see him for Venezuela so that's pretty cool to like now get to see him uh, more often playing for Everton good job on Rafa Benitez to get him to go and on the American front maybe somebody that could be replacing Timothy Wea now that he'll miss be missing the uh three games with an injury Matthew Hoppy who I thought was one of the ones that was Woo! a surprise. He's going to Mallorca. So now he gets his whole club business uh, figured out, which was one of the reasons why Berhalter, I think, was worried about him because Schalke is now in, in the second division of Bundesliga. And now he gets to go back up to another top team and join Mallorca, who just won on the weekend. And Matt Biosca got sent on loan uh, to Alaves, who I watched uh, play against Valencia this week. So... A good move on that front. Weston McKinney did not move, though, and that's a little bit worrisome for me because it seems like he's not in a leg of these plans. So oof, I hope this doesn't mean he doesn't get to play a whole lot because we really need him in top form considering he's one of the best players out of the U.S. And hat. he's a leader for the U.S. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was hoping he'd get to move, but uh, unfortunately he did not. So we'll see if maybe he can muscle his way in there or uh, they have to go through some injuries in order to to get in some playing time, but hopefully he does. Anyone, any other ones you guys want to mention here, whether it's from today or that I saw that's like of interest for us fans is uh, Chris Richards is staying at Hoffenheim. So that's pretty cool. He got a lot of time there. So, I mean, he's not going to be in Bayern starting 11, maybe not even their 18 right away right now. And Hoffenheim's going to use him. He's going to get minutes. He's only going to get better. So, I'm I'm excited for him. Um, I've I've always liked Hoffenheim. I think they're a good team. Um, so yeah, I'll be rooting for him, except for when he's playing Borussia Mönchengladbach. Anything else uh, for you, Eric? On that? No, I think I think with that craziness now, I'm just gonna let everything settle. See how teams are gonna go, and part of me is kind of now looking forward to the winter window, especially with some potential for more craziness. I don't know. I just have a feeling we're not done with big headlines just yet. Yeah, certainly. Uh, a Some interesting ones from like Arsenal's end. They had some players 
leave like Berardin going to Real Betis and uh, Takahiro Tomoyasu going to Arsenal, coming from Bologna. So they have spent a lot. I mean, we could talk about Arteta all day about how this team's not playing well. And to be fair, they played three of the strongest squads in the Premier League to start missing some players as well. But they've spent some money. Can't sit there and blame Kroenke on not spending money. Maybe it's not the best signings that you want, but they spent some money and they really probably need to start showing that for Arteta or uh, he might be uh, looking for a job. This is their worst start in Premier League history. And I even learned or discovered a potential chant that they could be singing if this keeps up. So... In Crocky, great. You know how spending money actually works. Now you have to spend it the right way. Yeah, crazy to think Tottenham's on top of the league and Arsenal's at the bottom. Not just in the Premier League, going back over 30 years, in the history of English top-flight football, dating back well around a century and a quarter, that's the first time that sentence has ever been able to be uttered on any given day. Tottenham at the top of the table, Arsenal at the bottom. Yeah, you don't see that come often at all. You know, going from the invincibles to the certainly invincible uh, as far as Arsenal is concerned. So there will be plenty, I'm sure, talked about for the transfer deadline. Uh, We already talked about the biggest one that didn't happen. You can enjoy your whole like two weeks talking about that if you don't like uh, watching the international teams uh, start pretty quickly here on on Wednesday in the afternoon, even Wednesday morning, and then go on into uh, the rest of the week again. The U.S. starts on Thursday against uh, really late at 10.05. Rachel, like I know you talked about the squad on the last word uh, soccer show, but Anything you want to mention since you weren't with us on the last show about about the team or anything you're looking forward to for these games? I'm just excited for all of the chaos that is like qualifying and everything. Um, I'm excited for Ricardo Pepe. I think that's yes, going to be pretty Ricardo cool. Pepe. I am excited. Who else got named that I was excited about? Um, oh, I'm excited to see who is actually going to start in goal. Because if I'm putting my Greg Berhalter hat on right now, I'm starting Matt Turner. Like, he's just been way too good not to start. His Gold Cup was excellent. And it's not like they were playing just cheap, easy teams. Like, the U.S. brought the B team. And Mexico brought, like, their A-minus team. And Matt Turner did everything Matt Turner did. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see that, but I'm so excited for World Cup qualifying. Like, I am more excited for the men's national team than the women's national team for probably the first time in, like, eight years. That uh, says a lot uh, right there because Rachel is – that when you talk about women's national team, she's always up there talking, talking to us about it, wanting to talk to anyone about it. And I'll get excited about the women's national team when, you know, Vlatko gives some players the boot. Well, I mean, to be fair, they just ended their cycle of the Olympics and, and World Cup, so they, like, have to start over again. You know, the U.S. is the, – the men are, are – this is ramping up to World Cup qualifying, and then things Here change the next cycle with the U.S. playing host for 2026 and then how that's going to work out with the uh, change in adding, you know, the 16 more teams to make it 48. Or So you were talking about in goal. I think Matt Turner would be the best choice because not only is it that – 
he had a great Gold Cup. He's playing week in and week out from New England, which are the best team in MLS by far. And he, he just made saves again in the MLS All-Star game. So, I mean, the dude has proven it every time he's out there. And look, uh, not to say that Horbath is not. Uh, Zach Steffen might be getting into a chance to play more now if if England had the same rules as we would see here in the U.S. where Mendy should not be playing at all for that squad considering what he is uh, being charged with. Eric, anything that you're looking forward to with this game happening pretty quick? I mean, we talked about this more. It's like, do you really, first of all, have your idea on your number nine? Because even with the Gold Cup, how well we did, there were those times where there was a shaky performances and goals were a little bit hard to come by. And then to touch on a little bit more from the last show, what are you really going to do with Leggett? Is it just going to be for this particular window and that's it? Or are you looking for saying, hey, maybe give him a chance in case I need him for the next window? I don't know. It's That's the one thing that I mentioned before, and I'll say it again. It's a little bit shaky, but I'm curious. Halter's known he's under the gun. Three of the most important matches. We'll see. I'm keeping my expectations, given what happened last time around, very, very tempered. Yeah, I mean, you can only go up one way up but here, considering mm-hmm. what happened the last go around. But he's got several rounds to figure this out. I mean, you got some tough games against two really tough opponents in El Salvador, especially if they can be able to actually have Darwin set in play and, and lead that team the way he normally does. If they can they can have all of their stars playing, and then Honduras can have all of their, especially at the at tremendous attacking talent that they have, a lineup, which that was the difference in the Gold Cup. Honduras did not have a lot of their attacking players. They had injuries happen constantly with that team. So if if we're see, this is a different uh, Honduras squad, same thing with Canada, right? Canada had a lot of injuries to that squad that we played and barely beat in the Gold Cup. So these are three really tough games that the U.S. are going to have, and then two of them being away in stadiums that, you know, they're not going to be the best, uh, the best kept ones out there. Going to definitely be some caffeine going on and interesting to watch them uh, starting on Thursday at 10 o'clock Eastern time. I think this game's on Paramount Plus, so you can watch it on on that front. So, Eric, before we get to talking about our squads, (laughs) what's offside this week? Now, and I know we have a former goalkeeper in our present breach. When you were attempting a back pass, especially... In the fifth minute of stoppage time, you would think one of the key rules is make sure your keeper is in the net to receive the pass. Checks out. Yeah. Um, Amandi <laughs> against Villarreal completely forgot that. We've been talking about Atleti, three points all sealed up, and then that happens. And it's an own goal, and it's a 1-1 draw. I just wonder how, like, what the moment I get, maybe you're trying to play out the back, push for a second, maybe you're just working to keep possession, but it's like, you don't have that sort of a brain fart in that. Man, I really don't want to correct you here, Eric, but I'm going to set the scene a little bit differently on this front. First of all, as as a defender, as someone that played defender, this is different. Villarreal is winning 2-1 here. All they Mm -hmm. have to do is hold off. Yeah, for like a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
he is just trying to head the ball away, prevent Suarez or whoever it is that's coming. I think it's Correa that's coming in. Going towards goal, Correa's been on a tremendous hot streak. You cannot let him get a shot. He heads it. The goalkeeper should have never gone up at that point. Like, what is he doing? Why are you not in front of goal? Okay, that makes it even worse then. Like, you're in front of goal. All you have to do is be right there. You catch that. Game's over. Villarreal get an upset over over Atleti. What? Why did you move? Why did you come up that far? And then, of course, he can't see that the goalkeeper not behind him. He's he's looking at the ball. He can't see behind him at the same way that he hits it. It hits off his head. It goes straight through. He can't make it. I mean, talk about it like um, you know those old school bloopers. If you watch, no. you should go watch this. Villarreal, go look up Villarreal at that even um, Co Madrid highlights. Uh, Rachel, you should go watch this too. It's funny. It's like a like just the old blooper reel of the goalkeeper realizes, it, and then it's like, oh crap, I'm not gonna make it. The goggles in the net, and then what's even more funny is Simeone's yelling. He knows he has no time on the clock left. He's yelling, pick up that ball and go over there, see if we can still get another goal. Like that dude is intense. It's crazy to me. Like, See, he knows I was trying to give them some credit. That sounds like it's right out of a scene of FC Der Kampionen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, but, yeah. I, but I'm just saying, like, it's, it's not the defender's fault on that. And the goalkeeper should not have come out at that point because the ball can go anywhere off the defender's head. He can't see behind him. It, I don't. I don't think that's very fair um, to Mundy on on that one. That's a total goalkeeper uh, error in my view. But it's still. Really funny. People should go watch that. Unless you're a Villarreal fan, I did not. That was funny. <laughs> the the reaction from Unai Emery is also hilarious. He likes about to take off his whole jacket and go nuts and throw it down and like, oh, it's awesome. I loved it. But you know, I don't think it should not have drawn that game at all. They did not uh, deserve that. And then you get it on a fluke like that. Sometimes you get the breaks. With- it, 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 it it does happen. It happens. So. Let's end this by doing what we always do, our supporters club, talking about our squads. Rachel, wasn't so great, such a great Cascadia. It was in one way and it wasn't in another way. I am repping the team that actually did well. So the crazy (laughs) thing, I guess we'll start bad and end positive, is that like literally two weeks ago or three weeks ago, Seattle beat Portland six to two. And then they lose on Sunday night to nothing at home. Like what? <laughs> it's it's yeah. crazy. But I mean, that's Cascadian. Honestly, that's just like MLS chaos in a nutshell. Yeah. OL Reign had their first ever match at Lumen Field, former CenturyLink Stadium. Um, Guys, by the way, we just got some breaking news real quick. I got to share with you. Christy Holly is out of Racing Louisville. It says Racing Louisville has terminated head coach Christy Holly's contract for cause. Mario Sanchez, uh, head of Soccer Holdings Youth Academy system, will serve as the interim head coach. So that's interesting. Um, I'm going to cut my stuff shortly because I got to do some work now on that. But um, yeah, um, OL Rain beat first place Portland Thorns, and you absolutely love to see it, right? So it was it was awesome. Yeah, I mean that's uh, always good when you can get that uh, get that victory and cool on the breaking news there. See, yeah. I'm I'm kind of shocked right now, but I will save that for another <laughs> time. <laughs> Manchester United, they Mason Greenwood with another uh, big brace to get that goal. You need to win, but there was more talk about the no call with Pogba and whether that's a foul hitting 
uh, Neves on his shin or not. Neves like figuring out whether he was actually hit or not and then taking a while to go down. You know, when you look at the freeze frame, it does look like it's a foul. I mean, where did you stand on that? I mean, to me, it wasn't a foul. I mean, you can put in my bias and everything all you want, but if you're getting hit in the shin, you're going to know. You're going to go down right away. You're going to feel it. If you're kind of just like wondering around whether it was or it wasn't, and then all of a sudden, oh, you're finding yourself down on the ground. No, it wasn't a foul. You get up, you wave play on. That is what it is. It just, and again, this whole thing with the freeze frame. It didn't really tell the whole. Fans can be mad all they want. To me, no call. I think it's a little bit of a dangerous play. Uh, it's one of those things, again, like the Bruno one. You didn't call it. You didn't call it. Yeah. Uh, he cho- He could have gone back to VAR and looked at it. He didn't want to. And and unfortunately, it led to a goal. Well, that's the thing. It, was, it has to be something very clear and obvious that mm-hmm. when you now then disallow that goal. And that's a big deal when you're talking about disallowing a goal off a foul that did not happen in the box or anything like that, but it did lead to the goal. So I don't know. That's a big decision. I, for me, it's a foul, but you didn't call it. And I don't really think you can like say, okay, that's the reason we didn't win, but did Wolves deserve something? I certainly did. Do think they did. They played really well. And again, Traore just cannot finish. That guy has, has problems with when he's in front of goal, it just doesn't happen for the guy. Go bad for it. Uh, still haven't scored a goal in the first three games, which that's that's certainly uh, something you have to look at um, as well. Eric, um, Orlando and D.C. Well, D.C. taking advantage, Philadelphia Union, still the CONCACAF campaign. You can obviously tell things are mounting up a little bit. They just seem a bit demoralized. D.C. taking advantage, getting a big 3-1 win, keeping themselves in that log jam sitting behind New England in the East, fantastic. Orlando City, however, it wasn't entirely a drab affair. But again, we had just mentioned about disallowing goals. This one was. A play into the box, Akindele gets a touch on it, gets it in. But then it was a whole back and forth and rewind, drawing the lines, a very drawn-out VAR process. They see, okay, Akindele's offside, no goal. And then that was pretty much it. A classic four draw, so it's like, I get it, but it's like, you really could have gone ahead and say, all right, even though this one was offside, you could have kept pushing and pushing for more, widen that gap from second to third. Oh, well. Yeah, certainly. Especially the wins that have happened over the week and the rest of robbery week. And Inter-Miami, still getting points, making a comeback here. Uh, on that trail, very uh, interesting for them and Beckham's team and, and what you do with uh, with Phil Neville and everything else. I, I will say Pisado's been playing one he- He's been looking a lot better since all of a sudden they've been on this win streak. Uh, credit to him for both showing up for Mexico in the Gold Cup and then also transferring that over to uh, Inter-Miami as well. FC Dallas in a heck of a thriller against Austin. Five goals. Uh, two apiece for Pepe and Ferreira, and some of them were just absolute blasters into that. Love that. And love just being able to take out Austin as well, take out uh, the the other Texas team at the only draw with Houston. So um, just keep yourself in the mix. Keep yourself in that mix in a much tighter Western Conference than 
where it looks like New England's basically going to run away with this water shield right now uh, on the eastern side. Let's let's do that. Keep winning. Sadly, that some of the teams in front of you are also getting the victories, so that's not helping. But right now, just do what you got to do and, and keep getting those points. That's that's what uh, that's the positive thing uh, for FC Dallas. I will say all of my teams won this week, except for America, who drew with uh, Leon. I did say that was going to be a tough one for them, one of the toughest teams in Liga MX that they had to play. Uh, didn't help you got a red card in the 65th minute that kind of uh, hurt the mojo there on that end. But Valencia finally got to go out and show what they're about and beating Alaves. Definitely so led with a – you should go watch this goal because it it's a corner kick that comes in. He hits it with the back of his uh, heel while he's in the air, and it goes in. Uh, one heck of a goal. It won goal of the week, uh, definitely, on, on that for him. For him. And Erlen Holland comes up big in 90 plus one after, after you just go down and, and think you're going to get another draw because you can't stop people on defense that they've had a problem with all season. Hoffenheim tie the game and then Holland goes in and scores uh, to get the win for Dortmund. Gio Reyna also got a goal positive for him too. Dortmund, they're going to do this. This is how they're going to beat you. Not by sitting there and keeping teams off the scoreboard. It's by getting... Games like this, definitely one I think I might go back and watch. But it's that's cool that watching the highlights that you have thrillers like that. Marseille, after the disappointment that they had with that ridiculous drama with Nice coming back and beating Saint-Dien, very happy about that. And then Milan coming in and scorching Calgary, Giroud with two goals. Uh, awesome to see that from coming over uh, from Chelsea on that end. So yeah, all of our all of our squads are doing. Pretty decently here. We got things to be happy about as we go into having a break from the club teams to talk about the international teams. Uh, we, I don't think we've said it officially, but Rachel will be with us on the Sunday show for U.S. Canada, which is during a normal time of the day. I think it starts at at what eight and the, uh, Eastern- an acceptable time and not past my bedtime. Yes, <laughs> that's what Sean meant to say. Exactly the. Well, it's an acceptable time of the day, like on the eastern side, because when it's over, it's still ten o'clock. When these yes. games that are on Thursday and then Wednesday of next week, they start at ten o five. If they even start at ten o five, because sometimes they say ten o five, they start at ten thirty. Okay, but you know what yeah. else is at an appropriate time tomorrow? Russia starts their qualifying. Let's go! Yeah, I had to get Russia. that out there. Yeah, definitely. You got to. We got to be uh, cheer for. Russia and uh, Venezuela plays uh, Argentina, so I don't. That's probably going to be a loss. <laughs> you never know with some of the players that didn't get to bring over thanks to the uh, the COVID red list. So yeah, I mean when you're talking about games with um, at, at basically midnight, that's not like great for for us having to do shows afterwards. We will be doing uh, a show closely after that game ends. I have to get off work and then do the drive. Uh, back home for both the El Salvador and Honduras game. Uh, that'll just be me and uh, Eric and I because it is late. Sorry, Rachel, but we'll we'll have our times to be able to talk about oh, yeah. uh, those games for sure. So you'll see a lot of us in this week upcoming, and we're well on our way to this truncated uh, World Cup qualifying cycle because we'll have to do this again in October and November. So it should be fun times. Uh, for everyone, and hopefully some of these players, unfortunately, transfer windows shut, but 
for the January window, you do well for your international team. Maybe uh, some of these lesser-known players get on the board for these uh, these bigger teams that get to make moves. So that'll do it for us here on Soccer to the Max this week. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. And if you watched live on you on uh, Twitch or the Facebook page, whether you watch later on YouTube and see our faces here, or you listen on the podcast side of things, which we are available pretty much wherever there are podcasts, you know, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, ah, I could go on Amazon, whatever. Whatever you like to listen to, we're pretty much on there. And, of course, we're also on WTMNet.com, Last Word on Soccer. You can check us out on all those places as well. And go check out um, those sites because they always have things going up. Uh, check out the rest of the WTM Network with Eric doing the football, sh- the American football show. College football is about to be back, folks. And then the NFL back the week after. So we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, on their show coming up. They already did both of their previews. So go check out their AFC and NFC preview uh, for a lot of great thoughts from, from Eric, Harry, and Kennedy on those. And, of course, go check out Rachel's writing at the Equalizer and Last Run Soccer and wherever else. Uh, she is doing things and we'll see everybody here later. Peace.